Welcome satellite groups and people watching online. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are in the last session, last week of a 10-week series, and it's been good. Has anyone been blessed by this session? I feel like the Lord is doing something every week and just revealing new things, and now we're here and we're at the celebration point. And so this morning, I just want this to be a time for us to celebrate what God has done, and we're going to see in the song of Moses and Miriam how they did that. But um, before we even get started, I just want to share a little celebration that I had this weekend. Um, I went to the beach because the beach is my happy place. I grew up in Wisconsin without an ocean, so now that I live by an ocean, I go there as often as possible. So I went to the beach this Saturday with a friend, and has anyone ever been to the beach? You know how parking's like kind of hard? So I got to the beach, and I, there was one spot open, and I pulled in, and lo and behold, Roy, I, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. I hope you have this photo ready, but I, I literally pull into this parking spot, and I look up, and I see this beautiful photo, and I don't know if you can see it, but we'll get there. I see this mural, and I think there's another one that zooms in on it a little bit, but it is a picture of the parting of the Red Sea. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of biblical murals in general in LA. So I pull up and I park right in front of this. And it was just such a beautiful reminder to me of God saying, I am for you. I want to deliver you. I have not forgotten you. I see you. And that picture, that scene, that parting of the Red Sea, that is for us. God wants to deliver us. God wants us to have life with him and life abundant. So I get out. I start taking all these pictures. I'm telling my friend she's not in Bible study with us. I'm like, oh my gosh, Lauren, we're going through the Red Sea. I just talked about this. She's like, oh, that's great. So anyways, so... We go to the beach, I do my thing, I get a little tan, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I laid out a little bit. So I got a little tan, I had a little walk on the beach, and then this is the real kicker. I come back to the car to leave, and the sun is setting, and do you see that cross right in the middle? It was, I like, well, I was just in awe of God. You are so good, and you see us, and you know us, and you've made a way for us in Jesus Christ, and I was, even when I was looking at that picture, there was not really like a building that was structured like that. There was like a, like a pole that was closer or whatever the light did, but I just saw that, and I'm like, what a beautiful picture of what God has been doing in this series for us, and this is why we celebrate him, because Jesus makes a way where there is no way. Amen? He is so good, so good. Um, and so today, we are going to come to the first song ever sung in Scripture. How cool is that? This is the first recorded song in the Bible. And what's amazing about this is if you jump 65 books ahead, if you go all the way to the end, Revelation chapter 15, you will see that this first song is also the last song. Revelations 15. I want to read it for you if you, if you didn't get to it in your study this week. In verse... Um, Chapter 15 in Revelations, it says, they held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the lamb. And it went like this. It says, great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. 
So this song that we're going we're gonna to read and study today, it's the first song in the Bible, and it's also the last song in the Bible. Because who our God was to the Israelites in parting the Red Sea to save them is who our God is in Revelation, the revelation of Jesus, making a way for us to be with him for eternity. And it's a beautiful song. And so we're going to sing it. Um, no, we're not going to sing it. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. That would be a really rough last Bible study if I sang this to you. Um, so we're going to read it together. Um, But what I want us to do, I'm going to read the first 12 verses because what they're doing is they are declaring what the Lord just did. And so what I want you to do to kind of position yourself for this reading, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about what you would have been feeling with the enemies at your back, all the chariots, all the horses, all the troopsmen, um, an army more powerful than you who has enslaved you for 430 years is coming after you. And you are crossing this sea on dry ground with huge towers of water on your right and your left. And remember, it's nighttime. It is dark. The waters are black next to you. The ground before you is probably not that smooth. Uh, There's a pillar of light in front of you, but you are literally running for your life, and you don't know if you're going to make it as you see the chariots approaching. And you get to the other side, and it says in the Bible that this is when dawn breaks, when the sun comes up. And so right when you get to the other side, the Lord brings the sun to shine what he's going to do for his people. And Moses stretches out his hand and the sea closes and all your enemies are washed away. Imagine what you would be feeling. Imagine the joy in your heart. And what happens, what comes out of this is a song of praise where they sing to him because they just saw the Lord deliver them from death to life. And so I want to read this over you. Um, And I just want you to imagine how excited they would be, what that feeling would feel like that they just saw the Lord wipe out their entire enemies and now they're safe and there's life and they're free. So this is what they sing. um, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, the first song in scripture, the oldest poem recorded in the world. They said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use, instead of the Lord, I'm going to put Yahweh, God's name, because remember, our God has a name and wants to be known. So this is the song they sing. They sing, I will sing to Yahweh, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord Yahweh is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a warrior, and Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he is hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them, and they sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Yahweh, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Yahweh, shattered the enemy. Verse 7, in the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger, and it consumed them like stubble. I love this. By the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. The surging water stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw the sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods 
is like you, Yahweh? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. Isn't that beautiful? They declare back to him everything he's done and the song of their heart reaches out in praise, which brings us to our first point today. And that is we were created to worship. This is what God made us to do. And so when they see the Lord's deliverance, they can't help but sing out what he has done, how he has delivered them. Have you ever been delivered by anything? Have you ever been through a hard season and then you come out of it? Um, I did my master's in India, and India is unlike any place I've ever been. I lived in Kolkata, where Mother Teresa was, and it was, it was hard. Um, I had a really hard time studying the language. Bengali did not come easy for me. Um, the water made me sick. I was sick for almost a year, um, and my hair started falling out the last three months I was there just because of the stress and the pain. Um, to give you just a snapshot of what life is like in India, uh, Los Angeles County has about 14.1 million people registered, and the Los Angeles homeless count um, traces 2019 to the homeless count being about 50 to 60,000 homeless people any given night on the streets. So Calcutta, in comparison, is a city of 20 million people, and on any given night, there are 5 million homeless people on the street. That's one-fourth of the city. You cannot walk anywhere and not see despair. You can't walk from point A to point B and not see death trying to just knock at someone's door. And so it was a hard year for me. It was a hard spiritual season too of saying, God, where, where are you in this? Where, what have you done? Why, like, what, what, what can we do about this? And so when it was time for me to go home, I'll never forget, I got, I got off the plane in LAX and I, I just remember wanting to kiss the ground. I was so, so thankful to be back in a place where I could drink the water and not get sick and where I could eat food and where I could talk to people I love face-to-face and where English, I could understand what was happening and the disparity level, although it's here in LA, it was so much lighter. And I just remember rejoicing in the Lord that he had allowed me to experience life in India, but then he had brought me back that praise of deliverance, and we were made to worship God, you guys. We were made to praise him for the good things that he's done, and this is the problem. Because we were made to worship, if we don't worship God, we, because we're made this way, we will just start worshiping other things. And we don't think about it like that because a lot of us are thinking like, well, I don't sing songs to other things but God. But worship isn't just a song. W- worship is a heart posture, an expression, a feeling of gratitude to deity. And so what, what happens is when we don't properly claim all the things God's done, we start claiming what other people or other things have done and we start praising them. Oh, look what my son did. Oh, look what my husband did. Look what I did yesterday. Look what my boss did. Look at, well, look at what I got. Look at what I did. And God saying, no, you were, you were made to worship me. You were made to pour out your worship to me. You were, you were made to sing. You were made to declare the good things that I've done in your life. And so we're at the end of week 10 series. And I just, I wonder in your own heart, what are you thanking God for today? What has he done in these past 10 weeks in your life? Maybe it's been a really small mind shift, or maybe he's unearthed some really big roots, some giants in your life that he's repositioning you or restationing you. Whatever he's done, I want to encourage you today to praise him 
for his power, for his deliverance, and for his unfailing love that he never gives up on us. He doesn't stop because the 10-week series stops. He's going to continue to be in your... Have you ever watched wrestling? There's always, like, the guy in the back who's, like, cheering him on. God's in your corner. I just, like, see Jesus, like, cracking his knuckles, being like, I got you. I got you. But God is in your corner. He's fighting for you. And he doesn't stop fighting because the series stops. So will you praise him today for that? Will you direct your worship towards him? Because we were created to worship. So in the second part, so they move into declaring all the things the Lord has done, that he's thrown the enemy into the sea, that his nostrils just simply breathed and the sea was filled. They declare all that he's done and then they switch and they pivot and they start, the verbiage goes forward of what he will do. And this is our second point today is that the praises we sing today are kind of determine or project our attitude for tomorrow. The songs that we sing today determined where our focus goes in the future. And so they start declaring where this is who our God is. This is all he's done. And because of that, this is where, where we're going. So I want to read to you a few verses um, from the second part. It says, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. And remember, God is preparing a place for them. God has created and promised that he will deliver them to the promised land. And so they're in an in-between stage. They just got delivered, but they're still waiting to see where they're going, but they're declaring it. Because they're hearts are filled with gratitude and they're recognizing what God's done, they can anticipate and hope in a good future. So they're declaring, the nations will hear and tremble. And I love this. They start talking about the surrounding villages. They say, anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, God, they will be as still as stone until your people pass by, Yahweh, until the people you bought pass by. So you have to recognize that these, this, the Israelite community has been enslaved for 430 years. They don't have any military weapons. They have a lot of wealth, but they don't have the mindsets of warriors yet. So they're wandering through the desert, and they are very vulnerable people. There are a lot of other nations that are stronger than them, that can overtake them, that have probably heard the news that their, their free slave labor is open because the Egyptians don't have it anymore. So what they're declaring is they're declaring that because of what God's done, he will protect them from these things. You see, remembering what God has done helps us remember and focus on what God will do. And so they are declaring that when they pass by them, they're saying our enemies will be as still as stone. And you know what? This is exactly what happened. Because what God did when he parted the Red Sea and wiped out the Egyptian army is other towns got wind of this. They heard and they were horrified. They were terrified that God would come and destroy them. And so they let his people go. They let them pass by. And so I don't know where your mind has been this week. I don't know what you've been thinking about, but I want to encourage you, when you praise God, when you declare all the good he's done, regardless of all the bad, regardless of the problems that are going on and the unsolved tensions, when you declare 
who God is, like we did today, for you are good, for you are good, that sets our heart in a position of where God will move forward. It puts hope in our path and in our mind and in our hearts, and it allows us to see the kingdom and the situation that we're in differently. It, just, it allows us to see what God could do. And some of us, some of us, are, our eyes are in the muck right now, and we need to look up and remember who our God is and what he's done in the past, and surely won't he do it again. Surely won't he do it again. So this is what they do. They declare his praises moving forward and they declare that God will protect them, that God will bring them to their dwelling place, that he will redeem his people. Um, And then we get, oh, I love this part. I don't know where it is, but I'm gonna find it because I love it. Um, Then we get to the part that uh, talks about Miriam. And I I just, this is my heart part. Um, Verse 20, it says, then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister took a timbrel in her hand and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing and Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. So commentators don't know for sure, but many speculate that Miriam is the sister that followed Moses in the basket. Do you remember her? the one who came to the princess and said, do you want me to go get an Israelite woman to feed your baby? And she said, yes. So Miriam has been in the story since the beginning. And some of us feel like we're playing secondary roles. Some of us don't feel like we're Moses and don't feel like we're Aaron. And we feel like we're in the background and we're doing the small things and no one sees us and no one recognizes us. And here is where the Lord names Miriam, Moses' older sister. He gives her a name in scripture. And remember, all through that passage, Pharaoh never has a name. It was just king, 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 king. And then they call forth Miriam and they call her a prophet meaning that Miriam had a hand in speaking God's word to his people and that she took part in leading the people out of Israel. I love Miriam, and I love that it's Moses' older sister. And I also read a different commentary that said Moses gave Aaron proper respect in this because Aaron is Moses' older brother. And back in that culture, it was honoring to always call the first brother in relation to everybody. So Moses is saying Aaron's sister, the the prophetess Miriam. And I love that little picture of the family affair. How cool would it be to be with your brothers and sisters watching the Lord deliver your people? So I wanna encourage you today, if you feel like you have a small role, like maybe you haven't been seen, but you've been faithful, you followed the baby down the river, you have done the work of building up your husband, a family member, a church leader. Miriam was with Moses in this whole thing, and she was supporting him, and she was for him, and I love that God shines the spotlight on her and says, Miriam, you lead the women in worship, and she takes her tambourine, and she leads the women in the song and dancing. You have a part in God's great narrative. You have a role in his kingdom. And it might not feel like Moses in this season. You might not feel like you're the leader calling the big shots, that you're getting all the praise, that you are the central point of attention. But God sees you and he knows you and he sees every little faithful act that you do. And he honors you because he knows your name. Um, then, so we go into this song. So this is the best. They're singing, they're praising, they're dancing. What a beautiful celebration, right? It's like, this is, does it get any better? Let's just stay here and worship. 
But no, they got to keep going because life doesn't allow us to just stop. We got to keep going to what God has for us. And so in verse 22, it says, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. And for three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Okay, so we go from this huge celebration, they're singing, they're praising, they're so excited, and then the next scene, it's like this fickle heart syndrome. The second they're out of water, they're like, oh, Lord, what are you doing? Why are, why are we here? Where's the water? And this, this point I just labeled for myself, we got to stop grumbling. We got to stop grumbling. This is the problem, is when we focus on the Lord and we remember who he is, Things are possible, but when we turn and focus on our little problems, on our lack thereof, on whatever we don't have, we shift all the focus to us, and it puts us in this negative heart posture, right? And so here the Israelites were praising him. They're so excited, and all the next minute, they're grumbling. And I was thinking about this. I was like, oh my gosh, these Israelites. Are you ever just like kind of over them? Like, oh my gosh, you guys, get it together. Um, However, I was realizing, like, we do this all the time, right? Like, uh, we can be in church Sunday morning and just, like, oh, God, you're so good. I love you so much. Like, this is, thank you, Lord, thank you. And then we leave church, and we get in our car, and we have to walk because parking is a little challenging at CA. And we are like, oh, my gosh, God, it is November. Why is it so hot? And we get in our car and then there's a kind of a traffic jam. We're like, oh my gosh, you, God, I have so much to do today. Why there's so many people? Where are people going in LA on a Sunday? And then, you know, we go to our favorite brunch spot and they're like, oh, an hour and 15 minute wait. And you're like, Lord, I cannot wait this long for my eggs benedict with salmon and a sliver of chives. You know, like we just like, we suddenly get very grumbly, right? We like want things in our time, in our way when we just, we were just worshiping the Lord and then all of a sudden it's like all about us, right? So I don't know what you're grumbling about. I don't shame you. We all grumble about stuff. But what happens when we grumble is we turn it into us and all of our problems and we get stuck there. We camp out there and it doesn't feel good. Life feels like it's the hardest thing in the world. But when we worship, right, everything is right because God gets to be on the throne and we get to see him for who he is and we remember all his goodness. Um, so I don't know what you're grumbling about today, but I would encourage you, turn that grumbling to praise because you have the power to do that. And when you praise in a hard spot, the Lord sees you. Um, it's really interesting. So because of our culture and our fixations on phones, it's so easy for us to like zoom into things, right? So the other day my friend was showing me something in a magazine and without thinking I just, I tried to like zoom in on, I was like, oh, it's paper. But we're like programmed, right? To think that we can like see something, you know, zoom in on it. And I was like, oh, oh, I was kind of embarrassed. But that's just like, we're trained to do that, right? Just like, oh, like just let's make it bigger. Um, but I had, I felt like the Lord gave me this word when I was doing that. And he gave me this, this powerful perspective of Coley, whatever you zoom in on, you see. So we get to choose to zoom in on our grumblings. Lord, why haven't you done this? Lord, why is my husband? Lord, why are my kids? Lord, why is she? We can choose to zoom in on all of our problems and what we don't have, like the Israelites are like, you've just done everything, but like, where's the water? Where's the water? Or we can choose to zoom in on God and remember how great he is and remember his power and remember his deliverance.
So I encourage us today as a community to zoom in to God because it makes everything better. Um, so then they're grumbling, and then verse 29 or 25, then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. Here's the power of our God, you guys, that when there are bitter situations in life, the Lord can change them to sweetness and goodness. The Lord can take the deepest bitterness, even bitterness in water, and he can change it to life. And so when we hold on, uh, some of us are bitter for things that have happened to us. Some of us are bitter at people that have betrayed us. Some of us are bitter that life has not turned out the way that we expected it to. And the Lord in this passage shows them, he says, you can bring me your bitterness because I am a God who can change it. And it's interesting because the Lord just delivered his people and the first place he leads them is to bitter waters. And I think this is just, this is the journey of life. There will be times in life where we go through bitter seasons. There will be times where we struggle with deep bitterness inside of us. And the Lord is inviting us. He says, give me your bitterness. Don't grumble. Give it to me. Let me change it in you. Let me change it for you. Because see, we forget that we have a good God who wants good things for his kids. God did not want them to die of thirst. He just parted the sea so that they could pass through. He's not leaving us dry. God is a God who wants to take even the deepest bitter parts of us and turn them into sweetness, to turn them back to life. So I don't know what's bitter in your life right now, but I want to encourage you to offer it to the Lord and to remember that he can switch anything because that's who he is. And then we get to, we get to, this is like God's moment. This is his mic drop. Um, it says, there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them, and he put them to the test. So we have to remember, God is forming a nation. He's forming his people, and they still have parts of Egypt in them. Their hearts are still just coming out of slavery, and so he's teaching them what it means to be his people, to follow them. And so he gives them this instruction, which is true for us today. He says, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes... If you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the illnesses I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So God kind of comes down and he lays a little smack talk to them. He says, hey, listen up. There are going to be things that you are going to want to do on your own. There are going to be ways that you think are better than mine, but this is the deal. If you are going to be my people, you need to listen to my instruction. You need to obey me, and when you do, this is what I'll do for you, I will heal you. I am worthy to be trusted. This is the lesson that the Israelites will learn throughout the entire desert, and it's something that we are still learning today. God says, I am worthy to be trusted. You can trust me. You can follow my ways. You can follow my word because it's as good as gold. It's the ticket. It's what's going to get you through the Red Sea. And some of us, if you're like me, you have a different plan maybe than God's. You want, you want the short route. You want the instant results. You wanted that done two days ago. You wanted, we just, we get a little, I want to control stuff, you know, with God. And he says, no, listen, this is the way it's been since the beginning of time. I am your God. 
obey my decrees, follow what I say, and it will go well with you. And it does. Watch this. In verse 27, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So the Lord takes them out of this place of bitterness, and he leads them into the oasis. And God is saying to us today, you guys, trust me, where you are going is good. I have rest in store for you. If you follow me, you will live life to the fullest. And if you've done any number studies, I'm a number nerd too, um, the Bible is packed with all these significant numbers, and one of them is 12. So he leads them to where there's 12 springs, and this represents the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples. And then it says that there are 70 palm trees, and 70 is a picture of perfection. It's seven, which is the number perfect, and then 10, which is the law. So it's spiritual perfection. And there were 70 elders um, that were appointed in the time of the Israelites, and also the Lord sent out 70 as his disciples. And there's a lot more references than that. But what it's showing is that when we trust God, he leads us to an oasis that we can't even fathom. That's perfect. That's holy. That's spiritual. And God is inviting us to enter that place of trust with him today. Will you trust him to lead you to the springs of life, to lead you to where there are palm trees where you can rest? Um, and so I'm going to invite the worship team up right now. And because of this is a season, this is a passage of singing praises, I want us to just spend the next uh, three, four, five, six, seven minutes. I want us to declare the Lord's goodness. I want you to remember what has he done in the past 10 weeks of your life. We're all praying for what is a big way that we got, want God to show up. How has he shown up? Uh, my table was talking about it last night. The way God showed up wasn't what anyone expected, but boy, did we see the Lord show up in each of the situations we were praying for. And so I want you to spend this time just praising the Lord, zooming in on him and declaring what he has done so that your heart is set in hope going forward because he is a good, good God who is worthy to be praised. So will you, will you pray with me and then we're going to let Allison and the worship team lead us? Oh, Father, you, God, you are a good, good God. God, the plans you have for us are far beyond what we can hope, ask, or imagine, Lord. And so today, we just remember, Lord. We remember what you've done in our lives, and we remember what you've done even in this past short 10 weeks, Father. And we declare your goodness. You are a God who has made a way for us in Jesus. And for that, we praise you, Lord. So, Father, would you meet with us in this space? And would you remind us of your goodness? And would our hearts fully surrender to you in trust? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.